This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you've missed any of my talk radio breakfast show, don't worry. We've put some of the punchiest bits of this morning's show into a bite-sized podcast. The Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. Enjoy. Talk radio breakfast with Julia Hartley Brewer and the Times. Know your times. Education Secretary Gavin Williamson joins us now to talk about it, dealing with school discipline. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. Well, obviously, there's lots of other topics I want to talk to you about as a representative of the government. But let's first tackle, I mean, this is a huge issue uh, in terms of school discipline. We know it's one of the uh, many reasons why a lot of kids don't learn, why a lot of teachers leave the profession because they feel like they're doing crowd control uh, rather than actually getting to impart knowledge. And you're offering a new expert help for schools that just can't seem to get on top of unruly behaviour. What are you going to do? Well, what we're doing is we've brought together a panel of experts who are really leading the field in this area and we're going to create 20 schools that have got the very best discipline policies and actually share that expertise across 500 other schools that have sometimes had really big behaviour and discipline challenges. Let's face it, it's really so tough to learn if there's rowdy behaviour, there's poor behaviour within the classroom. It sort of has a real detrimental impact on every single child uh, within the classroom. So that's what we're doing. That's what we're going to be rolling out. And we hope it's going to make a big impact in terms of results. And uh, what we've seen is schools that have got really good behaviour, have got good discipline policies, quite frankly, achieve really well in terms of results and children feel safer, parents are happier, and teachers are much more satisfied and many more stay in the profession a lot yeah. longer. Indeed, I mean, I've seen some research that suggested that uh, given, the, you know, if you had 10 minutes at the beginning and end of every lesson where you're dealing with discipline, getting kids to quieten down, and that's every class of every day, of every term, of every year, that by the time children leave school, they're two years behind if they've been at a school with poor discipline compared to children who've been at a school where they've been able to get down and use every minute of every lesson of every day. Yeah, well, what we've seen in a lot of schools, they've started rolling out the fact that children have to walk in total silence and in line from one class to another. This means when they get to the next classroom, uh, 
everything is very calm, everything's very quiet, and immediately get on with their work. So it's so much more learning time. Children are just doing better. It's an environment that children and teachers feel a lot more comfortable in, and issues to do with ill-discipline, but also to do with bullying, uh, much easier, much better stamped out by taking this approach. But it, it does deliver results. I, I'm talking to one head teacher who had been in a school where there's really poor discipline and uh, um, I'd asked them as to what was the thing that had made the biggest impact because they'd gone from you know only just over 30 percent of children getting uh, five good GCSEs uh, um, of C and above at the time and now then it had gone up to 60 percent and you said good discipline good behavior makes the biggest impact. Well, one of the things you were considering is uh, for things like a, a ban on mobile phones in the classroom. I have to say, I wouldn't send my child to a school that didn't have a ban on mobile phones in the classroom. My daughter's school, you bring it in, you turn it off, it goes in the locker. If it so much as goes on during the school day, it's a serious disciplinary offence. Why wouldn't every school operate that policy? Well, I very much hope that um, every school will get to a place where they're uh, operating that policy. Can you, can you demand that? Can you insist that? Um, well, schools and head teachers and governing bodies have a lot of freedom and independence to really focus on delivering what they think is best for a child. But the evidence goes to point, I mean, uh, to point to the fact that, you know, if you've got children with mobile phones, looking at their mobile phones in a classroom, frankly, they're not going to be learning. That isn't good for children. That's not good for teachers. That's why I'd like to see schools moving much more rapidly into a position where you know, you're not seeing mobile phones being ever being used in the classroom. It's just a distraction. It's not good for learning. Yeah, it's bad enough at work, isn't it? Let's be honest. Uh, let's also talk about whether or not people, pupils are going to be able to go to school. We've seen a number of schools uh, shut their doors or sending pupils home. Understandable, they've just returned from a, a coronavirus uh, hit uh, place, so somewhere in Southeast Asia or or from Italy, where we've seen a recent spate of uh, of the, the, the disease uh, spreading. Um, but there is some concern that we could actually see schools closed en masse and it could last for something like two months' time. What sort of preparations are in place if that does have to happen? Well, if, that, if we were ever to get into that situation, that would be at the most extreme end of where you'd seen a, the spread of coronavirus in terms of a pandemic. And uh, we'd certainly uh, not expect and certainly hope not to be in that situation. Uh, but it's quite right that government always makes sure it has contingency plans to deal with every eventuality. But where we are today, um, the government, you know, Public Health England has tested 7,000 people for the coronavirus. 16 have been confirmed that they have the coronavirus. And we want to work with schools and we want schools to speak very closely with Public Health England before they make a decision to close. Uh, really getting head teachers to speak to the experts who understand and know the best way of dealing with this. And I very much hope to see of the 19 schools uh, that were closed yesterday, I very much hope to see those getting opened as soon as possible taking the advice from the experts as to how best to deal with this. Um, and in terms of how the government's preparations for this, the big concerns now, that especially you know, we're entering this new global age, having had Brexit and negotiating these trade deals around the world, but there's risk of this downturn, the financial crisis that's being predicted by some could even be uh, greater than what we faced in 2008 with the collapse of the banks, uh, that we are going to see the shutdown of manufacturing and the, and the problems around the world in terms of international transport could have a huge impact on 
on Britain's economy. How can any government of any hue with any views on Brexit prepare for such an eventuality? And, and, and what preparations is the government making that you're aware of? Well, I mean, real credit to everyone within the health service and Public Health England, the amazing work they're doing. The fact that they've tested so many people, the fact that, you know, where there has been cases, there's been such a rapid, uh, you know, tracing of every single contact they've had to make sure that they've also been tested as well to uh, minimise and uh, reduce the spread of this virus. And by doing that, that's the best way of ensuring that we don't have any form of economic impact and we're in the best possible place to continue to grow the economy and continue to grow prosperity. But is that real joint approach right across government uh, being led by these amazing health professionals that are doing such a sterling job uh, that will put us in the best position to ensure that this virus isn't something that spreads through the United Kingdom? Um, let's also talk about the decision yesterday at the Court of Appeal for over Heathrow. Mm. Um, this may be a nice easy get-out clause for a Prime Minister who promised to lie down in front of the bulldozers if Heathrow's runway, third runway went ahead uh, when, it, when it affected his local constituency. But we just spoke to the Chief Executive of London Heathrow Airport, John Holland Kay, <clears throat> who pointed out you know, that we're supposed to be leading this agenda uh, on, on terms of green and global emissions and the like across the world. But he said no one is going to follow that lead. He said we're indulging in a national act of self harm. Why is the government not appealing that decision? Well, the government has listened to the courts. We've recognised what the courts have said and recognised the court's judgment. I mean, it's completely free for Heathrow to be able to take that to appeal, which understandably, from their point of view, that's what they're doing. But we need to ensure that right at the heart of this government is our agenda and our commitment to deliver net zero by uh, 2050. It's enshrined in law. It's an incredibly important part of policy uh, in terms of every government department. And that's what we're, we're focused on delivering. And this isn't the government stepping away from big infrastructure projects. What you saw just a few, uh, few days ago was the, the government and the prime minister announcing our commitment to high-speed rail, building extra capacity, but building green capacity, making sure that we're getting more passengers uh, out of their cars onto trains, making sure that we build the capacity for our whole rail network so we can get more freight off our roads and onto the rails. This can only be good for the environment but also for the country. So, you know, the government's commitment to big infrastructure is absolutely there, but it's got to be the right uh, infrastructure and it's got to be uh, good for the environment as well. Uh, well, you say that, except that you know as well as I do now that you know the signing up to the Climate Change Act and the commitment to net zero emissions by 2050 will have an impact not just on third runway at Heathrow, which has been controversial for, gosh, 50 years. It's also going to have an impact on any new infrastructure project on the same basis which the Court of Appeal was able to, uh, to basically stamp down on that decision. They could clamp down and refuse to allow any infrastructure project, including building, for instance, the electricity plants, which could provide the electricity uh, for these electric vehicles, which we're all going to have to drive once we're banned from buying diesels, petrol cars and hybrids in as early as 2032. Um, this could ban any road projects, any infrastructure project, and it's uh, as a direct result of a formal government policy. Well, the, the government's always been... I mean, what's the most precious thing, uh, and of course is our planet, making sure that we have a thriving and a, a planet that's sustainable... 
And Britain's been leading the way, not just in terms of setting the agenda, but also in terms of the development of technology to make sure that we can preserve the quality of life that we all enjoy today, but making sure that it's a quality of life that's not in harming the planet and the place that we live. And that's something I think that we should be proud uh, of doing. And that's why big investment in terms of rail is so incredibly important. You know, uh, the future of this country will still mean that people have to move around. People still need to be able to get to work. But getting them out of their cars, onto, onto trains, key and important part of that. Uh, but, you know, the, you know, the judgment will no, no doubt sort of uh, create uh, certain challenges, but the government will be always and is ready to respond to those. OK, thank you very much for joining us, Education. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Secretary Gavin Williamson. Talk Radio Breakfast with Julia Hartley Brewer and The Times. Know your times. Right now, though, let's turn our attention uh, to the issue of Heathrow. Decision made uh, just after I came off air yesterday, actually, uh, regarding the third runway at Heathrow. I think this issue's been ongoing for, what, 50, 60 years now? Uh, but the Court of Appeal at the High Court yesterday ruled uh, that the government's policy on expanding at the airport with that third runway, which is not just sort of adding a third, it's effectively a whole new Gatwick airport, to all intents and purposes uh, at, at Heathrow. The court ruled yesterday that the government's policy on expanding the airport was unlawful because ministers had failed to take proper account of how it affected Britain's climate commitments. This is particularly of the Climate Change Act and also the net zero uh, by 2050 carbon emissions uh, pledge. But a refusal to properly consider the UN Paris Agreement, which limits rises in global temperatures, well, is aimed at limiting rises in global temperatures, uh, was legally fatal the judges said this has a massive knock-on effect for every other airport project in the country, road projects, rail projects and any energy projects as well. The government said it would accept the ruling. It's still not known yet whether or not Heathrow uh, will decide to actually uh, appeal that decision, although very likely that they will. Well, we'll get the thoughts of Dave Chorn and Russell Quirk uh, on that in just a couple of moments. First up, though, let's talk to Caroline Russell, who's London Assembly member and Transport Spokeswoman for the Green Party. Good morning to you, Caroline. Good morning. Um, now, you 
you and many other uh, green activists have, have been campaigning against uh, the uh, the Heathrow Road runway. I mean, basically, you know, since before some of my listeners were born, it's been going on for that long. A big victory for you yesterday. But the knock-on effects of this are huge, aren't they? Well, I think it, it is a it is a massive victory, and the the, the expansion at Heathrow. I mean, Londoners have been campaigning against that on so many grounds, on noise grounds, on air pollution grounds, um, you know, people being overflown by, by planes, waking them up at night very early in the morning. So there are lots of reasons why Londoners are not keen on expanding Heathrow Airport. Well, can I clarify? Can I clarify? Some Londoners, some Londoners are very keen on it, particularly the local boroughs that are closest to Heathrow. They're actually very much in favour of it because of the extra jobs. Well, can I just say, I mean, in the London Assembly, every single political party is against Heathrow expansion. So, so? because of the impact on Londoners, that's, that includes the, the people who were UKIP, it includes the Conservatives, Labour, the Lib Dem and the two Greens. So it, it's not, you know, it's not that odd a, a, a position to take. And in terms of um, uh, climate change, we're currently seeing the impacts of changing weather, of, um, of more extreme weather all across the country. Your um, uh, intro at the, in, in just around the news, there was a whole thing about, um, you know, more flooding uh, happening and the worries about this new storm that's coming and whether it's going to impact those flood hit communities. Yeah. The, the impacts of climate change are really having... Sorry, the storm... No, no, so, so sorry. The, 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 Caroline, my, my darling, the, the current storms and the current flooding we've got have got nothing to do with climate change. They're to do with the jet stream and the Arctic vortex. Do you, do you, I mean, do you, do you not understand these things? I thought you're a Green Party act, uh, campaigner. Surely this is stuff you should know is your bread and butter. The point is... No, no, you do accept that, don't you? No, you've just... Made, no, Caroline, you've just... ...are going to be more frequent if you have uh, climate change. The IPCC latest report, last report on that, said there was a, I think it was low, was it, what was the phrase used? Not low probability, but uh, low uh, expectation that, uh, that, they could, that that was actually the case. There, there, is, there, is, there is no direct correlation and there's no proven causation between those things. We've actually not seen an increase in extreme weather around the world, whether it be droughts or flooding. We just see it in different parts of the world. It is different to be more aware of it because we have 24-7 TV news now. But look, let's just go back. Let's go back and talk. You must have heard the communities around Worcester and Shrewsbury explaining how they never have had floods like this. They they have had floods like this before. After record-breaking flood. No, they, Caroline, they have had floods like this before. They have. That's they, they have. haven't had them with the frequency and the intensity, and that's the point about climate breakdown. These, this extreme weather is right. becoming more common Let's, and, and more. It's frequent. okay, okay. So it's not. But, but it. I'm, I'm sorry. To, I'm sorry to keep throwing facts at you. I know this is going to be throwing you. But okay, let's come, let's come back to the implications of this on major infrastructure projects. Now we've got HS2 going ahead, something which I, I definitely disapprove of, um, uh, because I think it's just not good value for money uh, economically for this country. Um, but I mean, but even even a project like HS2, which is rail travel, which you know Greens are supposed to be in favour of, uh, as opposed to rail or sorry, as opposed to road or air travel, um, even that could be hit uh, under this Court of Appeal ruling yesterday, which would suggest that anything that contributes to um, uh, more carbon emissions could be ruled unlawful under the current terms on which the government is allowed within its own terms now to, to behave. Um, we've got China by 2025. China is planning to build 137 whole new 
airports. Now, I'm not saying we want to be like China. It's a totalitarian state. They don't care about things like planning permission or, or, or pollution and things like that. But... There must be some middle ground between, you know, insisting, for instance, on on quieter aeroplanes, on on fewer emissions, on limiting the times, and like which could be done around a Heathrow third runway that, that would allow us the economic expansion that that would entail, and the economic boom and the jobs, but wouldn't have such a major impact on on pollution. I think the thing is, what we have to do is rethink our economy completely. Business as usual is over. And we have to get on and invest in the renewable energy, the things that are going to make people's lives better, make their homes more affordable for heat by having better insulation. There is a massive task to be done to actually uh, improve everyone's homes, to uh, make sure that we've got low-carbon transport options. That's going to create jobs. That's going to create a whole new economy. And that's the stuff that we should be doing. Um, did you think that there's an issue, though, in terms of this sort of... Vir- I mean, not many people will call it sort of virtue signalling by the British government, which actually has no real net effect. Even if we did, for instance, get to net zero emissions by 2050, even if that was feasible, we'd probably only do it by cutting our own manufacturing, cutting our own air transport uh, and, uh, and and road transport, but at the same time basically transferring that to overseas. So, for instance, we won't build an energy plant here. We'll just import it from another country where they may be less green. Uh, we're going to be importing more goods uh, from China, where we know they are, and in India, where we know they're far less green than we are. And actually, ultimately, the, the net of effect on the world's uh, carbon emissions is going to be higher rather than lower, while we sort of bask in the glory of the virtue signalling of how well we've done at cutting our carbon emissions. The point is, if we're going to cut our carbon, we're going to do it by making our world better. And our world what does that mean? better with more renewable energy and with these good new jobs that are going to come out of, um, out of making everyone's lives Caroline, better. could you address the point I actually made to you? Well, you, you are trying to make out that... We, that if we don't build a third airport, a third runway at Heathrow, that we're going to um, end up with uh, importing lots of bad, dirty energy from somewhere else in the world. But actually, what we could do is make our world better with lots of very affordable, renewable energy. That would make people's I'm, lives better. I'm all in favour so of making the world better. That sounds like a great idea. Heating bills who are but, living well, in fuel poverty. Well, hold on a minute, Caroline. You, wait, wait, wait. Great po- heating bills have gone up because of green taxes. And they'll go up even more because of more green taxes. When you start taking away people's gas boilers and people have to have far more expensive electricity heating boilers, that's going to put their bills up. Not if their homes have been properly uh, have been properly insulated. No, it's nothing to do with insulation. Well, the cost of the energy mission. is higher. If we're going to tackle the climate emergency, we there have one. a mission focus. We will have to have a mission focus on sorting all this stuff okay. out. And I, can I can I bring you back to the question I've asked you now? <laughs> if if it is the case, so say for instance, say we don't have the third runway at Heathrow, but then those flights just go through Schiphol or, or another airport. Those flights are still going to happen. If we want to get an international flight to somewhere uh, which you know relatively obscure in China uh, that we're going to have to get you know a a flight and do a connecting flight using far more carbon far more energy uh, and the same for the transport links the cargo links Um, if we're not going to be able to build energy plants we are going to have to import it from elsewhere we are if we're not going to manufacture things here we are going to import them from elsewhere I mean we can we can want a better world I mean we are the world we are the children yeah absolutely we're all in favor of that 
But in terms of the practicalities, what you're talking about is us basically virtue signaling about how great we are, while at the same time, actually creating probably a bigger carbon footprint around the world. Do you not accept that? Don't you think it's important that a, a, a country like, um, like, you know, a place like the UK, mm-hmm. that we are doing absolutely everything we can to protect future generations? And could, you, could you please answer the point I've made? I mean, if you want to say, yes, it's OK, we are going to actually cause greater carbon emissions in other countries, but in return, we're going to be a world leader on this in the UK... I mean, I think that's a strange position to take, but uh, but at least it would be an honest position. Do you accept that my point is valid, or do you think my point is invalid? Well, uh, personally, rather than build, I mean, you're you're saying, oh dear, this judgment means we can't build um, pretty much anything more dirty power stations. Well, actually, we need to be investing in the renewable energy that will actually um, deliver energy and not. Okay. Wind and solar power is a tiny percentage of our energy needs at the current time. You can't produce steel using solar and energy. I mean, mean, you you and the Green Party, you're opposed to fracking, which is the cleaner and fossil fuel energy. You're opposed to nuclear power, which is a very clean energy. Could you just... We're running over time, but would you be... would 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 you be very kind and answer my point? Do you accept that the policies that you want to clean up our carbon emissions in the UK may actually overall have a net effect of increasing carbon emissions around the world. Do you accept that or not? No, I don't. You don't accept that. We have to to create good, clean energy in this country and we can do it. And how are we going to do it? How are we going to power our steel manufacturing and uh, and, and everything from, from, from solar and wind? Uh, there's wind power. Um, you know, there's what, percentage, wind power. what percentage of our power currently is produced from wind? Uh, ooh, this I is your area of expertise. That tells me that every single day. But mm-hmm. I, um, uh, there's a. Yeah, I mean, roughly, not, not to one percentage. To to Within the nearest. No, no. There's a so, you can follow, Julie. Ca- Caroline, you Caroline, this is, this is your. I'm not asking within a point of percentage. Within 10 percentage points, what percentage of our, of our current energy needs are produced by, by solar and wind? Rough, I mean, it roughly. It literally varies. Yeah. It literally varies. It's, it's a point um, worth making, isn't it? Hour. So, mm-hmm. um, roughly I, over the year. Roughly within 10 percentage points. It's... Uh, I am... I'll wait while you Google it. It's okay. I am literally scrolling through Twitter Mm -hmm. trying to find this lovely Twitter feed, which I will send to you afterwards. But but all due respect, you are a transport spokeswoman for the Green Party in London. This is this is your bread and butter. I mean, you know, it's a tiny, it's a it's a small percentage of electricity, and electricity is only thirty percent uh, of our energy needs in this country. So it's 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 a very very low percentage uh, of of our energy needs in this country that are produced well, by solar power. Do you really think that by twenty fifty we are going to be able to produce all of our energy? I mean, it'd be great if we could. But do you really think we're going to be able to do that by 2050 without having to import it from another country? So you're you're opposed to the energy being produced here in any other way. But but you um, but you. Look, what I'm saying is we need to be rather than investing in more dirty energy, we need to be investing in cleaner energy. And um, it's you know you, you've things like transport for London. They only use 0.01% of renewable energy at the moment. They could be doing so much better. The mayor could be investing in power purchase agreements that would actually invest in shovel-ready new renewable energy projects. We have to do better across 
um, every area of, 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 our, okay. of our life. Caroline, we're going to have to leave it there. I'm about five minutes over time. I really appreciate you coming on and talking to us. Caroline Russell, London Assembly Member, Transport Spokesman for the Green Party. Talk Radio Breakfast with Julia Hartley Brewer. Weekday mornings from 6.30 on Talk Radio. Okay, well, let's uh, talk about this with the Chief Executive Officer of London Heathrow Airport, John Holland Kay, who joins us now. Good morning to you. Morning, Julia. Good morning. Well, we've uh, heard yesterday the Court of Appeal ruled that the government's policy on expanding the airport with the third runway was unlawful because, crucially, they say ministers didn't take into proper account how it affected Britain's climate commitments, this the Climate Change Act and the net zero target. That doesn't just mean that uh, the third runway at Heathrow is under threat. That means pretty much any expansion of any airport, any road project, and I would have thought pretty much every single uh, major energy uh, plant project is also now going to be under legal threat. It is a hugely important precedent, and that is one of the reasons why we are appealing to the Supreme Court. But uh, let's also be clear that the national policy statement has only been suspended by the court, pending a review by the government to make sure that it is compatible with the Paris Accord on climate change. And we're confident that uh, that is uh, very fixable. Uh, And the reason we're confident is that we have a plan already and have committed to meeting the conditions of the Paris Accord on climate change. It's the biggest issue of our time, but we've got to get the right balance between being able to still fly and and as as an island nation to be able to connect with the world and decarbonising our economy. And we've got a plan that will will allow us to do that. Well, again, a lot of people are saying, look, you know, expanding an airport, and we're not talking about sort of adding a third capacity, we're sort of adding Gatwick Airport effectively, uh, get all over again to to Heathrow's capacity already. It will be a huge, a huge extra uh, capacity there at Heathrow. Um, And and there's talk from Green campaigners, we spoke to one earlier in the show, saying, look, you know, we we cannot achieve any of these emissions. This is not the way we should be going. Flying is is, is not the future. I'm not quite sure how they think we're going to get around the world if we're not going to be flying. But, But isn't the reality that if we don't have that capacity here as a hub airport, that capacity simply moves elsewhere uh, to Schiphol, to, to other airports uh, around Europe. So, so any of those concerns about carbon emissions here in the UK, they're just going to be moved elsewhere, aren't they? You are exactly right. And I heard someone talking yesterday about how the UK could set a lead in the world by stopping flying. Well, no one is going to follow that lead. We will just destroy our economy and lose our ability to even decarbonise the rest of of, uh, of uh, our economy. The lead that the government should be taking is saying this is how we are going to decarbonise aviation and other sectors and, and they have a fantastic platform to do that at, when they host COP26 in November. This is vital for the future of our economy. Flying is not the problem, carbon is. We've got to take carbon out of flying and then our future generations can enjoy the benefits which are fantastic from aviation um, for generations to come. Um, we were talking earlier this week about uh, the benefits of hub airports and certainly a lot of people will be wondering how someone from another country flying into Heathrow using uh, uh, the third runway and then getting a connecting flight and flying elsewhere in the world, how on earth that can benefit the British economy other than benefiting you know, the retailers who've got their high-end shops <laughs> at Heathrow Airport? Can you explain what the benefit is, if there is any, to the rest it- of us? It sounds counterintuitive, doesn't it? But uh, the way it works is that most airports in the world are point-to-point airports. You British people get on a plane at Gatwick and they fly it to their holiday and they, and they uh, come back again. Um, and, uh, and you'll find that those planes tend to go at just the times when uh, people want to go, holiday seasons, for example. What happens at the hub airport is that we pull demand from all across a region, in Europe in our case, 
and that allows us to fill planes any day of the week. So even if not many Britons need to fly to long-haul destinations such as Tokyo or Mexico City on any day, because we can collect all the people who do want to fly to Mexico City uh, on that day from across Europe, we can make that flight viable. And what that, the benefit that we get from that is that we can support more, more flights to long-haul destinations every single day of the year than any other airport in Europe. And that's a fantastic advantage for the UK because it means if you're a business person and you do need to get to Tokyo, there is always a flight, actually three flights a day to get you there. Go to almost any other city in Europe and you don't have a direct flight to Tokyo because there's just not enough demand from, from the point-to-point airport. Uh, what about the Green campaigners who say, look, people aren't flying for business anymore and we shouldn't be encouraging uh, more flights for tourism because, because the world is changing? Well, let's just think about uh, uh, what, we're, uh, what we're saying there. Um, business is the lifeblood of any economy. Tourists are one of the biggest sectors for this UK. Most of the tourists coming through Heathrow are inbound from China and other countries coming to spend their money here. Students coming to uh, spend their money at the great British universities. Inward investors coming here to invest in their head offices, their, uh, their industrial plants. Uh, this is the lifeblood of the British economy and Heathrow is the beating heart of the British economy. Um, we handle 40% of all the UK's exports, and yet we are at capacity. If the Prime Minister is serious about wanting to be global Britain, doing new trade deals with all these lo long-haul distant markets you can only get to from a hub airport, he can't do it without expanding his biggest port. It, and, and, and that's why it's so simple that you either, uh, if you don't expand Heathrow, there will be no global Britain. If you don't expand Heathrow, we will be flying through Paris to get to global markets. We'll be taking back control from Europe with one hand and giving it to the French with the other. That, that is why uh, your colleague was absolutely right. If we don't expand airport capacity in this country, we'll just be flying through other countries to get there. Am I right in thinking, it was on Twitter yesterday, that the boss of Schiphol Airport in, uh, in Holland, that, they, that he actually sends you, or whoever is the boss of, of you at the time, a, a very, very glamorous posh cake as a thank you every single time there is a, yet another court setback or a delay by the <laughs> government because of the extra business they get as a result. He does, and, and I sent him a cake when, uh, when we make progress. Uh, so it's, uh, how it's, many? It's, okay, it's, how many cakes has he sent you, and how many cakes have you sent him? I mean, we're looking I, at what fifty years of battling over this uh, now, aren't no, we? We've, I, I think I think we've had three cakes, and he's had two so far. So uh, so I'm I'm looking forward. I'm, I'm sure he'll be baking okay. as we speak. Uh, realistically. Uh, but it, but this is, no, but realistically, even if, you, even if you did get approval in the next couple of years, we're still looking at that no, no new third runway for a number of years. Meanwhile, by 2025, in five years' time, China is planning to build 137, not new runways, but new airports. How are we possibly going to compete with that? Well, we don't need to compete with China. We just need to be able to connect with China, and only Heathrow can connect with China. And, but your, 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 your wider point is absolutely right. If we're not expanding Heathrow then we will be helping to expand Paris or Schiphol. Uh, we'll be helping the countries who are now our, our competitors economically to do better. And uh, to the earlier point, since uh, the coalition government blocked Heathrow expansion back in 2010, not an ounce of carbon was kept out of the sky as a result of that. Why? Because people just flew from the UK to Paris to get to global markets. That is how crazy it is for people to say the UK can stand alone and stop flying. We won't stop flying. We're an island nation and a trading nation. We want to get to the world. The world wants to come to us. 
and people will find a way of getting here, even if they can't fly through the UK. So we shouldn't uh, indulge in this national act of self-harm um, we should be tackling the real issue and taking carbon out of aviation. Uh, and this, there is, I mean, there is actually quite a lot of uh, movement going on within the airline industry to improve not just the pollution levels of aeroplanes, but also noise levels. Big concern for a lot of Londoners. I'm a supporter of Heathrow expansion, even though I know I will be able to hear the planes uh, from my back garden. But it seems to me it, this is just part of doing business if you want to live in a major hub city. Um, but uh, how quickly can that be developed so we actually do see cleaner planes and quieter? plane. So the people who do live under the flight path and the people who are affected by the pollution in the local area around an airport aren't actually living with bigger problems. Well, you're you're right. The planes are getting uh, quieter and cleaner. And we actually incentivise airlines to send their cleanest and quietest planes to Heathrow. There's quite a big financial incentive for them to do that. I lived in the flight path for 20 years and, and I used to enjoy watching the tail fins flying over my head and Three o'clock in the afternoon was Concorde time. Uh, but it, it is massively quieter today than it was then and will continue to get quieter. And I was pleased that um, the appeal court did confirm that uh, the government uh, was able to meet all of the requirements on air quality and noise with the plan that we have. And it will include um, uh, insulating from noise um, uh, around 100,000 homes and schools uh, to make sure that people in the current and new flight paths are okay. protected from noise. So it is, a, it is a really exciting transformational plan. OK, just finally, yes or no, John Holland Kay, uh, is the Heathrow Third Runway ever going to be built? Yes, and I will look forward to welcoming you on the first flight. All right, I'll hold you to that. Across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker. Talk Radio. Thanks for listening to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.